You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning, church. Good morning. My name is Joe Mokpara. I'm going to do the Bible reading this morning. And we're reading from the book of Luke, chapter 15. I'm reading from verse 1 to 24. Praise God. The parable of the lost sheep. Now the task collectors and sinners, we are all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and lost one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go at the, and go and, at the lost sheep until they hold it? And when they finished it, he joyfully put it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you, that is the same way. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons we do not need, who do not need repentance. The parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has lost 10 silver of coins and lost, and, okay, lost 10 silvers of coin and lose one. She has 10. Doesn't she light up a lamb, sweep the house, and search carefully until she found it? And when she finds it, she calls the friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coins. With the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of our God when, when one sinner repents. Amen. The parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who has two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son gathered together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in the well living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired he went and, and hired himself out in the city of this country, who sent in who sent in his field to feed, to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pond that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my servants, 
How many of my father's higher servants has food in abundance? And here, I am serving, I am starving in debt. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still long away off, his father saw him and was filled with, with joy and compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arm among, around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put on him the best ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the father's cow and kill it. Let there be a feast and celebration. For this son of mine was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but he's found. Let us celebrate. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Chioma. That was a long one. You did so well. Well, welcome, everyone. We are looking at uh, we're in a series looking at Jesus and mission right now, and the inspiration behind what we're doing here is that we want to be a Jesus people who follow Jesus, who live like Jesus, and who do the things that Jesus did. And we sense that God is inviting us to create a culture of mission in our church, to see a culture where people are regularly coming to faith, like in the book of Acts where it says, people were added to their number daily. That's the kind of environment we want to have. We've seen amazing things recently. We've seen significant growth in our gathered environments. But how many of you know that if we want to see citywide and cultural transformation, it has to go beyond a building? It has to move beyond a Sunday. What will really impact our city is when gathered environments equip on-fire disciples scattered across the city to bring hope and life to every space and place where they set foot during the week. If we want to see revival in our city, every home reached and in people invited home, we have to be a people who go. We have to be a people who share Jesus with our friends, who gossip the gospel, who demonstrate the kingdom, who take wild faith risks and take God at his word. If we want to see our city transformed, we have to be a people who, like Isaiah, say, here I am, God, send me. I'll go. Wherever you want me, Lord, I'll go. Wherever I find myself planted, I'll go. In my home, on my street, among my neighbors, at my school, at uni, in my workplace, at the school gates, um, among my family, um, to my kids, in random moments on the street, passing someone by. We have to be a people who, who go. Let me read you a story someone sent me uh, this week who embodies this vision personally. This lady writes this. She says, in, in my line of work, I have the privilege of spending time with students who don't know Jesus. I have a real heart for international students, particularly Chinese students. 
It must be so hard, them coming to another country far from home, so I intentionally try to connect with them, build relationships, and offer them support. As well as that, I invite them to our church. She says this, this year, eight Chinese students have come to our church. Except one Christian student, the other seven had never heard of Christianity before and had never been to church. I've held one-to-one gospel course from, called From Doubting to Believing in Chinese with four Chinese students and I've also been running a Bible study for international students on campus. When asked why did she do all of this, this is what she wrote. She said, honestly, I've fallen in love with Jesus. The fire of God's love pushes me to share his unconditional love with non-Christians, especially Chinese students. Isn't that awesome? This lady doesn't work for church. She's a normal person who loves Jesus, who is bringing the hope of the gospel where she finds herself during the week. And I love that last point. When you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but talk about him. Pete Gregg, who's the founder of 24-7 Prayer, he put it like this. He said, can I be honest with you? I'm not into evangelism. I hate evangelism. I'm into Jesus. So I talk to people about him. I love that. And so today we're going to continue our journey exploring how we can live on mission during the week. And today I want to do some lostology. Lostology. Are you ready for this? What is lostology? I know you're thinking. Well, if theology is the study of God, if biology is the study of life, I want to suggest that lostology is the study of lostness, specifically lost people. Let me say Jesus was the greatest lostologist in history. He understood deeply what it meant for people to be lost and more importantly, what it meant for people to be found. Now, put your hand up if you enjoy losing things. No one, because it's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? It's a nightmare. I, I, I just struggle. I lose things, not that often, but when you do, it is a nightmare. It's so frustrating. It is so disorientating. It is so inconveniencing. Let me tell you a story of probably one of the worst, most costly losses that we've ever had in my family. A few years back, we went to Cornwall on our family holiday. It was my dad's birthday at the end of the week. So we were going to celebrate and uh, we were coming home on the Saturday and the Friday night we booked a special meal out with my dad, with all of our family and it was gonna be a really, really beautiful time. But that day on the Friday before we were going home on the Saturday, just before about to celebrate my dad's birthday, my sister Eve um, lost her car keys. And uh, she's in the room, so I won't shame her. Oh, I already have. Um, <laughs> now, they were the only set of keys that she had on her. What made matters worse was that my, and she, she lost them in the sea. They must have just fallen out. My car keys happened to be in her car. And so I'm, I'm not in a good place emotionally, as you can imagine. So we, we do the only thing we know what to do. We pray and we look and we post on the local Facebook page I think Eve still gets updates about lost cats. Um, But nothing happens. We don't find the keys. We're freaking out. It's my dad's birthday that that day. We're celebrating that night, and we need to come home tomorrow. Uh, But I don't have a car, and Eve doesn't have a car, and uh, we don't know what to do. So my dad steps up now. Thankfully, his car and his car keys he has available. And so dad says, do you know what? I am going to go and drive home and get the car keys. They live six hours away. 
This is his birthday day, and the night before we were going home, but it was our only option. And so my dad, what a hero, got in his car, drove six hours back to my parents' house near Coventry, picked up Eve's spare key, had a couple of hours sleep, drove all the way back, missed his own birthday party. Eve was really upset about it, and I remember making things a lot worse by saying, you've ruined the holiday. (laughs) He, He drives six hours back, and then we have breakfast, and then he does another six hours. Remarkable, and it's one of those, we laugh on it, we laugh about it now, um, and it's painful. Uh, but the point is this, the point is this, when you lose something valuable, you'll do anything to find it, won't you? You'll do anything. If a parent loses track of a child in a supermarket, what would that parent not do to find their son or daughter? They would talk to anyone. They would pound on any door. They would look in any nook and cranny to find their lost child. This is what love does. Guys, we live in a world that is lost. We live in a world full of lost people. Everywhere around us are people searching for God, searching for more, searching for home, searching for hope and meaning and significance and purpose and identity, searching in every possible place. We live in a lost world. Now, I want to tell you there's good news because we have a lostologist in Jesus whose purpose in coming to earth, we're told in Luke chapter 19, was to seek and save those who are lost. Everything Jesus did was driven by his desire and his purpose to find lost people and bring them home to God. His heart went after those who are far away, those that are caught on the margins, those that are bound in sin and shame and addiction and brokenness, those that are living in dark places. Jesus came for those people. And I want to submit this morning that he invites us to follow him in that pursuit. So where do we start? Well, Luke chapter 15 um, is, a, is a chapter on lostology. It is a study of lost things. And Jesus gives us three stories of three lost things, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And each of these stories paints a different angle of lostness. And they reveal something significant about how people come to get lost, how people come to get found, and how we can step into what God is doing in bringing people home. So that's what I want to unpack for the remainder of my time. So how do people come to get lost? Well, Jesus firstly tells the story of a lost sheep. I want to ask you this question, how do sheep get lost? Sheep get lost by preoccupation preoccupation. Life just happens. The sheep in the story would have had his head down, eating grass, busy doing the next thing, distracted by life. And before it knew it, it was far from home. Sheep don't get lost on purpose. Most of the time, sheep don't really realize that they are lost. And so many people in our city are lost because they are simply caught up with life caught up with the next thing, distracted, pursuing the good life, trying to make ends meet, and they end up drifting and wandering far from God. Secondly, there's the lost coin. How does a coin get lost? Well, the coin got lost by carelessness. The coin gets dropped, ignored, uncared for. 
In this category, people get lost as a result of things that happen to them. Pain, trauma, grief, abuse, loss. Life happens to them. Maybe they're victims of injustice and brokenness. Maybe their self-esteem and their, their value is destroyed because no one cared for them. And we see people who are lost in this way through our compassion ministries all the time. They find themselves in this place of generational pain, of relational dysfunction and brokenness, lost as a result of carelessness. Finally, there's the lost son. What made the son get lost? It was his choices. The son made a sequence of poor choices and miscalculations. He decided to search for satisfaction and meaning and purpose and hope, and not in the presence of his father, because the irony is he already had all that stuff. He decided to search for it in satisfying his desires. He ran from home and gave himself over to worldly pleasures, which, let me tell you, always overpromise and always underdeliver. They're a mirage. They're a broken promise. It's like drinking salt water. It offers much, but always leaves you more thirsty. So Jesus shows us, I want to suggest that in these, these stories that reaching our city and leading people home to Jesus is not a one-size-fits-all method of evangelism. We can't just shout on the street from afar the four points of the gospel and expect people to come flooding home. In order to reach lost people, we've got to understand that there are different reasons for lostness and different ways for us to reach people. One of the things I love most about Jesus was that he was a genius at reaching people. He didn't treat people like projects to win, but like sons and daughters to love. He didn't stay far away from people, but he entered into people's worlds and he found the treasure in their hearts. He recognized that people are lost in different ways and there are different ways people get found. How is that? So, well, firstly, the sheep, they're lost by preoccupation. How did the sheep get found? The shepherd went to find them. The shepherd went to get the sheep. The shepherd said, hey, it's time to come home now. Do you realize you're miles from home? I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to bring you back. People like the sheep are lost because they're distracted. They're busy with life. They've drifted into distance. Maybe they've never been invited home. Their head's down eating grass of the next thing in life. I want to suggest that these people would come home if someone would simply go and find them. If someone would invite them to church. Offer to pray. Bring them to the summer fun day. You wouldn't believe how many people in your world are just one question away from coming home to God, from giving their lives to Jesus. One conversation, one prayer, one invite. Their heads would lift and they would think, oh, how have I never known about this? I wish someone had told me this years ago. For people who are like the coin, they've been lost because life is hard. They've been victims of carelessness, abuse, pain, grief. These people have been ignored, maybe hurt by church, beaten down by life. An invite to church might not solve the issue right away. These people need to know that we care. 
The woman in the story lights a lamp and goes into the dark, sweeps the house and searches, Jesus says, carefully. There are people in our world surrounding us right now that need our careful search, that need care, that need compassion. They don't need a flyer through the door as much as they need a friend who will weep with them, who will search out for them, who will send a text when they feel like everyone's forgotten them, who will enter dark places carrying the light of the gospel. There are none that embody this better, I would say, than the Lighthouse Project, who work with vulnerable women we have a partnership with in the city, like Kath, Yvonne, um, and the team. Uh, they work with women caught in addiction and prostitution, and they are just doing this incredibly. They get filled with the Spirit and step into the dark places, bringing the hope and life and compassion of Jesus to people who are incredibly broken. An invite to... Um, a summer fun day might not cut it with those guys. The Lighthouse team just weep and bleed with them and then lead them on that journey towards Jesus. It's stunning. Finally, um, some people like the lost son who made poor choices. What made the lost son come home? Well, they ran away and maybe their view of God is that God is angry and judgmental and waiting to punish um, they think God is, they, they maybe don't want to come back because they think there's a God who wants them to be a slave rather than a son. Um, but the Bible, Jesus says that person came to his senses. He all of a sudden woke up to the reality that life doesn't work out when God is not in the picture. My sense is that we're going to see a wave and waves of prodigals coming home. People who have been running from God and church, our heart has to be one of radical welcome. Our heart has, this community has to be a safe place where prodigals can come home that have run away, that have done bad things, that have hurt people, and get welcomed as though they never left. Notice the heart of the Father, represented by God, who runs furiously towards those who return. This is love, and this is what we need to be like. Real love, let me say, lets people leave. But real love also waits expectantly for people to return. And these are people who sometimes have done bad things. They've abandoned church. They've made mistakes. But when these people come back, when people return, we have to be like the Father. Compare him. We didn't read uh, the end of the story. But with the older brother, you may be familiar. The older brother was angry. Grace seemed too costly too undeserved, throwing a party for the younger son is reckless and scandalous. Restoring people who have messed up is crazy. But notice while the party is happening, the only person not celebrating is the older brother. He's still outside. May we never be like the older brothers who have been in the church for a long time, who think we've got it all together who think this is a little holy huddle that actually um, people are just doing what they want out there. No, we have to be like the father who runs to get lost people and welcome them home. There's no grace in the world. Do you realize that? Grace is not a thing in the world. If people can't find grace in the church, where can they find it? 
If people can't get welcomed here, where can they get welcomed? So we need to be a place where anyone can come. And this is the overwhelming message behind these three stories is that God's heart is for the lost. God's heart is for people. God's heart breaks for those that don't know Jesus. He is moved by people who are caught in sin and injustice and hopelessness. The people that those in the world and some in the church look at and point fingers at, God is running towards. Some of you need to know today just how passionate and relentless God is towards those that are not in the church. If God had a weakness, which he doesn't, but if he did, it would be for people. He loves people. Lavishly, he loves you extravagantly. He loves you relentlessly. And notice how, the, how God is involved in each of these stories. Did you see God in each of them? With the lost sheep, God is represented by the shepherd. This is a picture of Jesus, the good shepherd, who pursues lost sheep. God is a pursuer. We don't love God first. He first loves us. He pursues us. We're only in this room because of his love for us and his grace towards us. We didn't find him. He found us. Secondly, in the parable of the lost son, God is the father who waits expectantly, patiently, longingly towards his son who has wandered far. God is desperate for his children to return home. 300,000 or so people in our city who do not know Jesus. God is waiting, watching, ready, expectant for people to go home. And then when they turn, when they turn towards him because he doesn't force people into a relationship, in a moment of unrestrained, undignified joy, the father hoists up his robe. He doesn't care about cultural etiquette, social boundaries, and he runs with his hairy legs on show. Scandalous. He runs to get people and he lavishes his son, kisses, affection, robe on his back, ring on the finger, restoration to sonship, royal identity, delegated authority again. It's unbelievable. Do you see how much God loves people? And thirdly, where is God in the parable of the lost coin? I want to suggest that the Holy Spirit is represented by the light. The woman possibly represents the church, the body of Christ, empowered by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be a guide. And the Holy Spirit takes the church to dark places, carrying the presence of God. It doesn't say that explicitly in the text, but Commentaries I've been reading seem to suggest that a lot of people sense that that's the way Jesus wanted to portray the Trinity in these three stories. God is always about his business. So what draws people home in these stories coming into land? Well, with the sheep, Jesus pursues them. Jesus heads towards those that are wandered far to bring them home. With the coin, the church, empowered by the Spirit, searches and sweeps diligently to look for the coin. And with the Son, he came to his senses. He woke up in a moment. And so people are going to come to Christ in different ways. Sometimes people encounter the power and the presence of the shepherd breaking into their life. They just meet Jesus who's come to find them. Sometimes 
They just awaken to the reality of their brokenness and pain and say, I I need to go to God. I need to come home. And there are other times, and I think this is what I want to challenge us with this morning, that in the parable of the lost coin, God decides and has chosen to partner with the church to bring our city home. God has chosen. He doesn't need to. He didn't have to to partner with the church, like the parable of the banquet where the king says to the servants, go into the highways and the byways and find people. This is what God is calling us to do in our time. Could we be a church that lives on mission, propelled out into our community, carrying the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the authority to heal the sick and and cast out demons and bring freedom to do the Jesus stuff in a world that is trapped by darkness and lead people home. What could it look like if that happens? Someone once said, the local church is the hope for the world. Do we believe that? That's you and me. We're the hope for our city. And so here's where I want to leave you this morning. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to love people, to enter into people's worlds, to bring the hope of the good news of Jesus, to share testimony, to pray for people, to invite people to church. But I think the key to doing all of this, as any good lostologist would say, is to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Scatter seeds where they may go, recognizing that some will grow and some won't. When I We get rejected, we move on to the next thing. But we're a faithful presence in our streets and homes, loving people, inviting people home, inviting people to church, and who knows what God will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.